All right, if you have your Bible, we are Jonah chapter 4. Jonah chapter 4. And then this is, um, it's not the last message in the series on Jonah. We have one more after this week. Uh, next week we'll be in the book of Matthew. Um, but for today, we are in the last chapter in the book of Jonah. And I'll give you just a moment to, uh, to get there. The message today is called, Our Hearts Reveal Who We Are. What's inside of our heart reveals who we are. So this week, um, I had a, um, I don't want to call it a vision. I'm going to, because that sounds kind of new agey. All right, I'm not, I'm not new agey or anything like that. Um, I, but I, I kind of had a, a revelation or a glimpse of what the future might look like. Now, I didn't get any specific details, like Biff wasn't the president, and there were no... Uh, there were no self-lacing Nikes or, or hoverboards. I don't think my flux capacitor was working the way it should. Um, some of y'all get that joke, and some of you are like, what is he talking about? Um, but I, I, I kind of got a, a, a glimpse, a, a feeling of what it's like when God answers a prayer. Now, I've been praying, and I, and I ask that you all do this as well. Um, since we started the, the 40 days of prayer, I've been praying every day, First uh, Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10. Let me read it to you real quick. It says this, Jabez called out to the God of Israel, If only you would bless me, extend my border, let your hand be with me, and keep me from harm, so that I will not experience pain. And God granted his request. In regards to the church, I've been praying that every day for Grace Baptist. I say, Lord, uh, I, I, I want you to bless our church. I want you to expand our borders, extend our borders. I want you to put your hand on us, and I want you to keep us from harm. I pray that every single day for the church. And this week, I felt a little bit of what that would be like if God actually did it. And I got to tell you, it was heavy. It was overwhelming. Like we, we looked up the word one day. We looked up what the word whelmed mean. I don't remember exactly, but it was bad. And then you throw the uh, prefix over onto it, and it's really, really bad. All right? it, it, it's something that, there. Um, and I realized something as I, was, as I was feeling this. I realized something that not everybody, not everybody sitting here today wants God to bless our church. All right, not everybody. Now, we'll all say we want God to bless this church. We want God to put his hand on us. We want God to extend our, extend our borders. But not everybody wants that to happen. And here's what I mean. Because when God does those things, things are going to be different. Things are going to change. And with change, often comes pain. With change, often comes difficulty. And so sometimes we'll say we want God to bless us. But we're only saying that because we're supposed to say that. We're only saying we want God to bless us because we think that that's what everybody wants to hear. Um, so things, things will have to change. When God starts to bless us, guess what's going to happen? There are going to be some of us who are going to get excited. And we're going to rejoice. And we're going to be happy. And there are going to be others who are going to be like, I don't like this. I don't like this at all. I don't want these things to happen. Um, there are going to be new people here, people who don't understand the importance of the way that we've done things. They're going to come in. They're not going to dress the way we do. 
right? I don't dress the way y'all want me to now, <laughs> right? We've had that conversation, right? The pastor's in blue jeans. Oh my goodness, some days I preach in a t-shirt and that really gets people uh, not happy with me. But, you know, things are gonna change. New people are gonna come in and they're not gonna understand the way that we do things. Um, they're not gonna understand the importance of certain artifacts and traditions. And, you know, truthfully, and Tina said, be careful how I say this, we've already experienced some of that when my family got here. Right? There, there's been, there have been some rough patches just dealing with me and the change that I've brought to the church. Because not everybody's been happy with all of the things that I've done. But you know what I think? I think we're better for it. Not because of me, but I think God has used those changes to bring us to the church that we are today. Jonah chapter 4 is a picture of that same kind of thing. As we've gone through Jonah chapter 1, and we'll do a, a quick rehash here in just a second, but as we've gone from Jonah chapter 1 to Jonah chapter 4, when we get to Jonah 4, we see that God is working, but not everybody's happy about it. God is blessing. God is doing the thing that he said he was going to do, and not everybody's excited about it. Not everybody's happy about it. God moved mightily in bringing salvation to the Assyrians, but it made Jonah mad. It upset Jonah. And in doing this, God revealed what was in Jonah's heart. How we respond to God's working reveals what's truly inside of our hearts. So today, as we conclude the book of Jonah, we're going to conclude with that with an examination of what's really inside of us. So let's pray, and then we'll jump into this. Father, I ask that you'd be with us now. I, I know that um, uh, I, I had a, uh, a struggle trying to, uh, to write some of the things that, that I wrote down, some, because it, it was dealing so, so mightily with, with my own heart. And so, Father, I know that if I was struggling with it, I know sometimes it's not easy. It, it, it can be difficult to hear things that, that challenge, challenge the way we think, challenge the, the, the way we are. Um, but, Father, I pray that, it, that we would be We'd be open to it, that our, that our lives would be different as a result of us being here today. We ask this in your beautiful name. Amen. I, one, one quick aside before we get here. As I was writing, um, I, I, I found it very telling that every time I would start to write the word Jonah, I would end up writing the word Jonathan. And I'm like, I think God's trying to, trying to teach me something here. And you know, I tried to I tried to play it off like no, the, the first four letters of Jonah are also the first four letters of Jonathan, and I'm so used to typing my name, but I, I think that God was trying to show me something there. All right, Jonah chapter four. Let me read. Let me flip back over there real quick. Um, and the first thing that we're going to see uh, in as God, uh, our hearts reveal who we are, we are going to see uh, Jonah's rebellious heart. We're going to see this in Jonah chapter four verses. Uh, I'm going to read one through three. It says. Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious. He prayed to the Lord, please, Lord, isn't this what I thought while I was still in my own country? That's why I fled toward Tarshish in the first place. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. And now, Lord, take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. As Jonah chapter 4 begins, Jonah is angry. Like he is, he's just full on. He's, his face is turning red. That little uh, vein in his forehead was pulsing. He was starting to see spots. Have you ever been that angry? Have you ever been that angry where you're seeing spots because your blood pressure, you're about to have an aneurysm if you don't calm yourself down? 
Apparently, the promises that he had made to God in the belly of the fish, he had forgotten all about them. Because he did, he did go to Nineveh, and he did preach the message that God gave him, but things did not go as he had hoped. Even though Jonah, in chapter, chapter 2, he's in the belly of the fish, he'd been swallowed after being saved by God. God showed mercy and saved him after he had... Um, had the, uh, the sailors throw him into the water. He made all these promises that, God, I'm going to go. I'm going to fulfill this, all these things. He said all these things. He went and did what he was supposed to, but things did not go the way that Jonah wanted them to. Because Jonah, at the end of the day, Jonah didn't want the people that lived in Nineveh to be saved. He didn't want that to happen. Instead of the Ninevites rejecting him, which is what Jonah wanted, they actually listened to his message of doom. They heard what was going to happen to them, and they said, well, we don't want that. We're going to repent. We're going to turn from this. Their hearts were broken over their wickedness, and they began to repent and turn from their evil. This was not what Jonah had expected, and this is not what he had wanted. Jonah wanted these people destroyed. We talked about this when we, uh, a couple weeks ago when we did Jonah chapter 1. Because of how wicked the Ninevites were and how one of, their favorite, uh, one of their favorite groups of people to prey upon were the Israelites, Jonah wanted them wiped off the face of the earth. He did not want to give them this message. When they began to turn to God, it was too much for Jonah. He just couldn't handle it. Now, before we blow him up too much, and don't worry, we're going to blow him up some more, um, before we do that, one thing that we do have to point out is that in his anger, rather than turning away from God again, he actually went to God with his complaint. He went to God with the anger that he was experiencing. We should admire the fact that he did this. God wants us to be honest with him. Sometimes when we pray, we think that all we can do is pour out all of the, the, the happy things that are, uh, that are going on. Or, or you know, we, we're supposed to use all this big flowery language like, God in heaven, thanks, thank you for the, you know, all of the, the flowery language that, that, that we so often hear when people pray. Um, but God wants to know what we're feeling and the emotions that we're experiencing. Right? I'm going to be honest. Sometimes... And, and I'm probably going to get fired for saying this. I've actually said curse words while I was praying before. And I know that yeah, some of y'all are shocked. But, like, I've been, I've been so hurt. I've been so angry that sometimes it just kind of slips out. I'm like, Lord, I can't believe that, you know, th this is happening. And, and, and I realize that that's probably not the way to approach the God of the universe, the God of our, our salvation. But God wants to know what we're experiencing. He doesn't want us to put on a facade with him because he can see through it anyway. He can see through it anyway. Um, but he wants to know what we're experiencing. That's what much of the book of Psalms is about. I've been reading through the book of Psalms in, in my devotions each morning. And there's even a, 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 a psalm, and forgive me, I don't remember the number. It's in the, the hundreds because um, there's 150 uh, psalms. There's one where they, they talk about dashing, taking uh, small, blessed is the one who dashes your little ones against the rocks. Right? That's some angry stuff right there. You're, you're praising somebody who's going to destroy somebody else. Um, God wants to hear that. However, what God doesn't want from us, God doesn't want a lecture. God doesn't want us to go and tell him what he is supposed to be doing. And that's exactly what Jonah is, is doing here. Jonah was giving him a lecture. In his anger, Jonah forgot to know what his role was. 
that God was the master and Jonah was the one who was supposed to be carrying out what God said to him. In Jonah's prayer, we can see a dark streak that is poisoning his heart and his view of God. The first thing that, uh, the first thing that happens in Jonah's prayer is Jonah tried to tell God how wrong he was about the plans that he had. The Ninevites were too wicked and they weren't worth saving. That's what Jonah had in his mind, that these people were not worth their time, they were not worth saving. Hey, that's what Jonah was telling to God. And the second thing, Jonah was the wrong person for the mission. Look, if you're gonna do this, you're not gonna use me. I'm the wrong person to do this, all right? They're not gonna listen to me anyway. Of course, of course, he wasn't the wrong person because if God chooses you, you're the right person, all right? God does, I, I, I've heard this say before, God doesn't call the qualified, God qualifies the, or, is that right? Am I saying that right? Okay, I'm looking out here, people are nodding their heads. God qualifies the called. If God calls you to a mission, he's going to give you everything you need to carry it out. All right, he just, but Jonah wasn't the wrong person. He just didn't want to do it. He just didn't want to go and take care of this. It was going to stretch him, and it was going to take him out of his comfort zone. All right? Of course, being an Israelite going into the Nineveh, yeah, that was going to stretch him. That was going to take him out of his comfort zone. And why is it that we so often think we know better than God? God calls us to do something, and we start making excuses as to, God, I'm not the right person for this. I don't have the qualifications. We're just a small church. We can't do that. We don't have enough people. We start making all of these excuses, trying to tell God, God, you made a mistake. I'm not the person. We are not the people. We are not the church. We are not, we are not the ones to do it. We think we know better than God. And sometimes, like Jonah, instead of making excuses, we just flat out don't do it. We just flat out refuse to do it. And what we end up doing is we end up couching our refusal in, in, in Christian talk or Christian ease. And we start saying, well, I just don't have peace about doing that. Or I'm going to pray about that. And we, we sometimes, uh, Mark Batterson says that sometimes uh, prayer becomes a sense of spiritual procrastination. That we just we say, oh, I'm still praying about it. I'm still praying about it. And we, we continue to pray about it. And we use prayer as our excuse not to do something, but we couch it in this Christian talk or the spiritual ease, but the end result is the same. We're still rebelling against God. We're still not doing what he's called us to do. And second, when God didn't listen to Jonah, Jonah's giving God all of this, this lecture, and um, when God didn't listen to Jonah, Jonah ran in the opposite direction. Instead of going to Nineveh like he was supposed to, he started going toward, um, toward uh, Tarshish. He was not going to do what God was calling him to do because he didn't want to give the Ninevites the opportunity to repent. He figured that if he went the opposite direction, the Ninevites weren't going to have the opportunity to hear the message, and so they were going to get what was coming to him. He didn't want them to be saved. In fact, instead of being saved, he wanted them to die. He wanted them dead. He wanted them destroyed. And again, this is too often what we see happening when God's people refuse to follow the clear direction and commands of the scripture. I don't think any of us would come out and say it. And like I said, as I was writing this, I was, I was struggling because God was working on my heart. I don't think any of us would come right out and say it. But when we don't reach out into our community, when we don't take the gospel to people, what we're basically saying is, you know what? I don't care about you. 
I don't want you to have the opportunity to accept Christ. I don't want you to have the opportunity to repent. You know what? I just want you destroyed. We don't explicitly say that. I hope we don't because that would make you a psychopath. But when we don't share the gospel with people, we make excuses on why we can't do things or, or, or why, you know, what, what this, that, or the other. We're basically telling people, look, we want you to end up like the Ninevites. We want you to be destroyed. Interestingly enough, Jonah was mad at God because he knew God's character. He knew what God was like, and that's why he was mad. He knew that if God sent him to reach out to the Ninevites, they would repent because that's who God was. Right? He knew that if God sent him to preach this message, that they were going to turn. And Jonah proceeds then to list out all of the things about God that make him so merciful. Let me read this list to you. He said, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God. All right? God, you're sending me here because you're gracious and you're compassionate. You're having compassion on these people. All right, you are slow to anger, which means it takes a lot to get you worked up. You are abounding in faithful love and one who relents from sending disaster. Jonah knew all of these things about God. Jonah knew that God was this way, and he knew that if he did what God told him to do, he knew what the result was going to be, that the people that he wanted destroyed were in fact going to be saved. And at the end of his tirade, Jonah reveals his true identity. He reveals who he truly is. He was an idolater. He was somebody who worshipped his own reputation. We've talked about idols in a previous sermon, but Jonah was worshipping himself and his nation more than he was worshipping God. Because he thought that his, who he was as a prophet of God from Israel made him so much more important than these people down here in Assyria and living in the city of Nineveh. Instead of rejoicing that God was so merciful to a sinful people, he told God that he would rather die than see the Ninevites turn to God and be forgiven. I mean, how, how, how twisted do you have to, how caught up in yourself do you have to feel to say, I would much rather die than to see a group of people come to heaven? And if we aren't careful, and I'm, I'm talking as, as, a, as Christians, if we aren't careful, the same can be true of us. Now, I've made it no secret that I believe that there are aspects of Grace Baptist Church in our current state and in our current location that are a challenge to us fulfilling the mission that I believe God has called us to. We talked about this last week. Right? I fully believe that in our current location and in the, with our current state, there are challenges that we are going to have to trust God and step out on faith in order to overcome. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we will say, yes, there are challenges. There are things that we have to overcome to fulfill that mission. I think we can give lip service to wanting to reach the community. But when push comes to shove, the truth is we want to stay exactly the same. We want everything to be exactly the way it is. All right. We want to share the gospel as long as it doesn't cost us anything or require too much of us. This type of thinking is the idolatry that Jonah was guilty of. And sometimes I think we've made our way of doing things into an idol, something we've got to reflect on. The second thing that we see here in this passage um, is Jonah's divided heart. Jonah's divided heart. 
after Jonah left his, uh, or after he finished his tirade, let me, uh, let me pick up here in verse four. I'm gonna read just a little bit. It says, the Lord asked, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah left the city and found a place east of it. He made himself a shelter there and sat in its shade to see what would happen to the city. So after Jonah got done with his tirade, he went up on a hill and he was going to watch what was, what was about to happen to the city. Jonah didn't really believe that the Ninevites were going to repent. He went down and he shared this message, but in, in his heart of hearts where this dark, this dark streak about him was, he didn't believe and he was hoping that they wouldn't really repent. And so he went up there um, and he was, he was sitting and he was waiting for the judgment that was coming. He, he wanted to be front row seat to make sure he could see it. Um, and this was ironic coming from a man who had just made all of these vows about how he was going to follow, follow in hopes of saving himself from a watery grave. But now he was angry because other people were being saved from destruction. He just made all these vows to save himself. But now that, that the people that he was sent to, they were making the same vows that he had made. He was upset about it. Right? He wanted his bacon saved, but he wasn't willing to save anybody else's bacon. Um. He was, he was angry that he was successful in the mission that God had given him. So he went up and he built this little hut, and he was waiting for the judgment that was to come. Like, he wanted to, he wanted to see it. And one of, the things about, one of the things about people is that we often have a divided heart. We say one thing, but we're really something else. All right? Sometimes, in, uh, um, I, uh, I did some uh, talking with a friend this week. He shared with me some... Uh, some uh, pretty tragic stuff about somebody he used to work with. And uh, sometimes we'll see on the news where somebody gets arrested for uh, a pretty heinous crime, right? And, and, and their friends and their, uh, their, their, sometimes even their wife has no idea that these people are involved in this type of activity, right? I mean, a few years ago, there was a guy who he had gone on a, uh, a crime spree, we'll call it, over a long period of time. And when he was finally arrested, his wife had no idea that he was engaging in these activities. And people got mad at her going, how in the world did you not know that your husband of this many years was the one that was doing all of these things? I mean, this guy was a Boy Scout leader. He was uh, head of the church council in his church. And yet he was in, in, engaged in all of these heinous crimes. Um, I, 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 I always think it's kind of funny that somehow they always manage to find one person to be on TV. It's like, he was such a nice guy. I had no idea. Like, he would shovel my sidewalk. I had no idea he was a monster. Some, I, sometimes I joke and be like, I want to be that guy. But then I realized, like, wait, if I'm that guy, that means I have to actually know a monster, and I don't want to know a monster, all right? Um, a few years, uh, th and this actually happened in our neighborhood. Um, the house across the street, there's a nice family that lives there now, but a few years ago, there was actually a major drug bust that took place in that house. I mean, FBI came in, they took out all kinds of material. And, and when Tina told me about it, because I was at work, I was like, I was just over there shoveling the sidewalk the other day. Like, they're, they're nice people. And I got to do it. I was, I was pretty proud of myself. All right. I wasn't on the news, though. But um, all right. But so um, Jonah had a divided heart, a dark side to him that didn't want people to, that he didn't want people to know. And while Jonah wasn't a serial killer, uh, the Bible doesn't indicate that. He was desperately longing for the deaths of thousands of people. 
On one hand, Jonah was a man of God. We know 2 Kings tells us that he was a prophet of God, serving as a prophet. On the other hand, though, he had a poisoned heart. And what's, it's true about Jonah, and it can be true about you and me. If we reflect, there are, there are aspects of our character where we desperately want to serve God. But at the same time, we have these other thoughts and these other things that are poisoning the way that we view things. While Jonah was sitting in his little hut, though, waiting for the death and destruction to come upon the city, God showed mercy on Jonah. Let me, uh, let me read a little bit more here. He said, Then the Lord God appointed a plant, and it grew over Jonah to provide shade for his head and to rescue him from his trouble. Jonah was greatly pleased with the plant. When dawn came the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant, and it withered. So while Jonah was sitting in his little hut waiting for this to happen, God sent a plant to provide shade for Jonah. He's like, oh, you're sitting here waiting for the death and destruction of thousands of people? Let me cover your head. Let me make you a little more comfortable. And Jonah was happy. He's like, yeah, look at this. I got shade. This is nice. He probably had a glass of lemonade. It's in the Hebrew. It's in the Hebrew. I'm, again, not much of a Greek scholar, maybe less of a Hebrew scholar. So I can read all kinds of things into the original text. Um, so God provided, even in the midst of our moments when we're angry with God, God is still going to protect us. Even when we are, are angry with him and we're upset with him and because he's not doing things the way that we think God should do, God's still going to provide for us because we are God's children. And the Bible tells us that Jonah was very pleased by the plant. But the next morning, God sent a worm and the worm ate the plant. I don't know if you know much about horticulture, but in the battle versus, of, of plants versus worms, guess who always wins? The worm. The worm always wins, all right? So a worm came and was going at this plant, and the plant could no longer provide the shade. It started to wither up. The, the leaves started to turn all brown and crispy, so you touched it, and it kind of blew away in the wind. And then on top of that, as you continue reading in the Scripture, God sent a hot wind, and the sun started to beat down on Jonah, causing him great distress. The Bible tells us that he was under so much distress that he was about to faint. I mean, he was, he was just getting beat down by everything that was going on here. And this was too much for Jonah. Nothing was going his way, and he just lost it. Have you ever had one of those times? Um, I, I'm sad to admit I had one of those moments this week. Something, something that was supposed to be a, an easy thing that happened did not go the way that it was expected. And I just lost it. Like I, I, I said some things that I shouldn't have said. I was angry. I was, I, 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 I was, I was just. And afterward, after it was done, after the episode was done, I just sat in my chair. I was like, I can't believe that just happened. I can't believe that I just did that. All right. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we've all been there. We've all been in those situations. Well, that's where Jonah, that's where Jonah found himself right now. He was, it was too much. Nothing was going his way, like he said, and he lost it. When God asked if it was right for him to be angry about the plant, Jonah screamed that, yes, he was right to be angry. And now that his plant was gone, he wanted to die. I mean, how far gone do you have to be that when your plant that's giving you a little bit of shade dies, that the next thought in your head is, I'm so mad I can't live this life anymore. I want to die God used this plant to show Jonah the sin that was in his heart. Jonah was more upset about the loss of his plant, something that he had nothing to do with. 
Jonah didn't till the soil. Jonah didn't put the seed in the ground. Jonah didn't water it. None of that. It was all provided to him by God. And yet he was more upset about that, about the loss of that plant, than the prospect that thousands of people were on the verge of being destroyed. Let that sink in for just a second. Jonah was more upset about this, his comfort, than the death of thousands of people. God purposely disrupted Jonah's comfort to show him that his priorities were out of sync. God was bringing Jonah to the point where he could show Jonah just how jacked up his thinking and his actions were. Jonah cared more about his own comfort than he did about the lives of the Ninevites. That's some pretty heavy stuff. We're more concerned about ourselves. And I'm not going to go to the Philippians passage. I could. We've, we've, we've hit that several times. But where we, we need to put the needs of others before our own selves. Jonah was more concerned about his own comfort than the lives of those. God also showed Jonah that he cared more about the plant than he did the people that God had made who lived in Nineveh. Right? These people were wicked. They were awful, brutal people, but they were still creatures that God had made. They were still God's creation, made in the image of God. Jonah's heart was divided. He wanted to follow and love God, but only if it was done on his terms and under his conditions. Jonah wanted to worship God, but he didn't want the Ninevites to be saved. Jonah's heart was divided. And the third thing that we see in this passage is God's merciful heart. Jonah chapter 4, I'm going to start reading in verse 9. It says, Then God asked Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Yes, it's right, he replied. I'm angry enough to die. We, that was the part we just looked at. Verse 10, so the Lord said, you cared about the plant, which you did not labor over and did not grow. It appeared in a night and perished in a night. But may I not care about the great city of Nineveh, which has more than 120,000 people who cannot distinguish between their right and their left, as well as many animals. That's the verse I had Eric um, read this morning for a call of worship. When I gave it to Christy to put in the bulletin, she was kind of scratching her head like, what does this have to do with anything? There, there came a point in this scene from Jonah's life where it appears that God has had enough of his whiny little prophet. Right? We're, we're, we're at this point, and, and, and God goes, all right, you know what, I've had it. Just like in the book of Job, as you get to the end of Job, God shows up, he's like, Job, had enough of your whining. Let me, let me ask you some questions. And if you can answer me, I'll tell you why this is all going on. Jonah, Jonah had finally gotten to, to the point where God said, all right, enough. I've listened to you. I've dealt with you. I, I, I've put up with it long enough. Let, let you and I have a conversation. All right. As a parent and a teacher, and, and I'm sure, Sean, you're here, so I'm going to use you as an example. Um, there are times where I let my kids complain and, and whine about things. Until finally I go, all right, you know what? Enough. All right? Let, let, let's you and me have a conversation. This happens in school. This happens at home. Right, Sean? All right, Sean doesn't like it when that happens. All right. There is also a time where I let them carry on, and finally I'm going to say, that's enough. All right, we are done with this. And I explain to them why we are going to do what we're going to do. And usually it's because we're going to do this because I said so. That's why. Right? Or if I'm at school, I say, we're going to do this because whose name is on the door. 
right? That's right, my name. You go to school, you finish, uh, you finish high school, you go to school, four years of college, you do your internship, you get a master's degree, then you can come ask me why we're about to do this. I love to throw out all my qualifications to eight-year-olds. Eight year olds. It makes me feel so much better, <laughs> right? Um, as we've seen with God, God has shown mercy and grace to Jonah time and time again, but Jonah still wasn't getting the message. He still could not get out of his own way. In Jonah 4.10, God really takes Jonah to the woodshed. He, led, he really lets Jonah have it for caring so much about a plant that Jonah did absolutely nothing for. Like I said, Jonah had nothing to do in raising this plant. He didn't, go to, he didn't go to Home Depot and buy the topsoil and the little buckets to put it in. He didn't drill the holes in the bottom of the bucket so the water could run through. He didn't put the, the seed in the ground and, and water it each day and try to keep the ants and all of it. Jonah did nothing for this plant. And so when it, grew, when, when it withered and left, Jonah did absolutely nothing. But he wanted to die because his comfort was disrupted. This plant was providing comfort for him, and when that comfort was disrupted, the only thing he could think was, I want to die. I'm so mad right now, I want to die. God then shows Jonah the depths of his own merciful heart. He asked Jonah if it's right for Jonah to care about a weed, but he expects God to reject a city where there's 120,000 people who don't know their right hand from their left hand. And some commentators, that, in trying to explain what that means, was basically saying, in that city, there were 120,000 toddlers, 120,000 children living in the city of Nineveh. Right? And so God is asking Jonah, he's saying, is it right for you to care more about this weed, and then you get mad at me because I care about a city where there's 120,000 children? Right? That, that's where we're at. And God is, uh, sorry, I lost my place there. God was still working on Jonah. He was correcting Jonah's lack of compassion. As we've already seen, Jonah cared more about a plant than he did cared about all the people in the city of Nineveh. But he wasn't alone. Right? There, there are times when our compassion is lacking as well. Anytime that we allow our comfort to supersede the spiritual needs of others, we are demonstrating a lack of compassion. Anytime we make everything about ourselves, we are, la we are, we are showing a lack of compassion. This happened also in Jesus' time. Uh, Luke chapter 13, if you want to flip there real quick, Luke chapter 13, we're going to be in verse uh, 10. Jesus is, uh, is in the midst of, of doing something here. It says this, As he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, a woman was there who had been disabled by a spirit for over 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. So here's the scene. Jesus is in the, Jesus is in the temple on the Sabbath. And if you know anything about uh, Jesus' time here, you didn't do anything on the Sabbath. Unless you were one of the Pharisees and then you made all kinds of rules about what you could do on the Sabbath as long as you kept within those rules. We've talked about it before. When Jesus saw her, Jesus saw this woman who had been bent over for 18 years. All right? I don't know. I, I, I sat, like, if you ever sit hunched over like this, or sometimes being a third grade teacher, I have to sit on the floor, and I'm a pretty big guy, so getting down on the floor and getting back up is not an easy thing. All right? My, my legs just don't bend that way. And, you know, and the eight year olds are like, well, what's taking you so long to get up? Like, one, I'm big, and two, I'm old. Leave me alone. Um, 
I don't know what I'm going to do when I actually do get old. All right. But this lady couldn't bend. I mean, she couldn't straighten up. She'd been bent over for 18 years. I sit on the floor for five minutes. I'm struggling. I can't imagine what 18 years would have been like. It, uh, verse 12 says, when Jesus saw her, he called to her, woman, you are free of your disability. God saw her and ha- or Jesus saw her and had compassion on her. Then he laid his hands on her and instantly she was restored and began to glorify God. You think people would be happy about that. You, th- you would think that people are excited. This woman who had just been set free from something that had been debilitating her for 18 years, people should have been excited. Not the case. Verse 14 says, But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, responded by telling the crowd, There are six days when work should be done. Therefore, come on those days and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. God was working mightily. People should have been excited about it, but not everybody was. People should have been happy at what God was doing, but because it was about to change things. It was changing the dynamic. Things were going differently than they had wanted or expected. Not everybody was happy about it. But the Lord answered him and said, hypocrites, doesn't each one of you untie his, or his ox or donkey from the feeding trough on the Sabbath and lead it to water? Satan has bound this woman, a daughter of Abraham, for 18 years. Shouldn't she be untied from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he had said these things, all his adversaries were humiliated, but the whole crowd was rejoicing over all the glorious things that he had done. Like I said, the religious leaders saw this. They should have been the ones that were rejoicing because they're the ones who who were religious. They were the ones who followed God. But when things started to change, when Jesus came in and started changing the paradigm and changing the direction and changing the way that things were done, they got upset. They couldn't handle it. Some people are going to like it. Other people are not. The second thing that God does, God demonstrates the depths of his own compassion. God does not respect. God does not respect people. What that means is that not that God's disrespectful, but God doesn't look down on one group of people and say, I like this group and I don't like this group. Right? God has no, God is not a respecter of persons, is what it says in Romans chapter 2, verse 11. That means that God wants all of his creation to accept him. He doesn't pick and choose who's going to see, who's, who he's going to show mercy to over one group or another. We've used this verse before, but 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord does not delay his promise, as some, count, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Despite their evil, God still had love for the Ninevites. He wanted Jonah to know that love as well. That's why God brought him to that place. One of the things about the book of Jonah as we close, one of the things about the book of Jonah that can be unsettling is the way that it ends. Right? When you, when you have a story, you always have, you have the beginning, you have the, the conflict in the middle, and then you have resolution. In Jonah, you have the beginning, you have the conflict, and then it just ends. It just stops. God asks Jonah a question, and there's no resolution. And so as you read this, you kind of leave it a little unsettled. You kind of leave it like, well, well, what happened to Jonah? What's going on? And there's a reason that this happened. There's a reason that God left it that way. God asked Jonah a question, but there is no answer. There is no resolution to this story. 
Could that be because God wanted Jonah and us to get to a place where we were willing to listen? All right? God, God took Jonah through all of this. God took Jonah through all of this. The, the, excuse me, the, the, the trip on the boat, the, the, the dunking in the ocean, spending the time in, in the belly's well, being puked up on the beach, going to Nineveh, having things go in a, going frustratingly well. And I say frustratingly well because Jonah didn't want any of that to happen. Let him go up on the hill, gave him the weed, and then took it away. God did all of that to Jonah to get him to the place where he was going to listen. He was going to reflect on what was in his heart so that God could direct him for the next steps. Jonah went through hell literally, but he still couldn't get, get, let go of his idolatry. It wasn't until God broke him over the loss of the plant that Jonah saw what was going on. Are we at that point? And I'm, I'm asking you to reflect on your hearts. Are we at the point of putting aside our preferences, our comfort, our idols in order to reach people that God loves? If not, what do we need to do to get there? And this, this, is some, this is some reflection that you've got to do with the Holy Spirit. Are you willing to lay aside your comforts and your idols and, and not just do lip service to the fact that we need to set these things aside, but are we willing to let the, put them aside so that we can truly fulfill the mission of God? And if we're not at that point, what do we need to do to get there? That's the point of the book of Jonah. What do we need to surrender to God in order to see his compassion for our community? Those are tough questions, but they're things that we need to answer. Let's pray.